the American Poetry Review is a Radio Kismet podcast. For more great shows like the Chef Radio podcast, visit radiokismet.com. From Radio Kismet, this is the American Poetry Review. I'm Elizabeth Scanlon. Poets, listeners, hello from Philadelphia. Um, it's really, I mean, what a time to be alive, right? I am, uh, I am so delighted this day to be recording in Philadelphia, as I almost always am, but it feels different today. Um, two days after the 2020 election results were finally announced. And I have to say, although we have miles to go, it, it really, everything feels different. Um, more hopeful, you know? And as time has sort of expanded and contracted these past few weeks with all the tension and excitement, things that happened in October already feel long past, but fortunately, one of those things uh, that I had the pleasure of doing in October uh, was talking with none other than the great Margaret Atwood, uh, yes, the, the novelist, but also the remarkable poet, Margaret Atwood, uh, who you may not know has a long history uh, with APR and was, in fact, on the cover of APR in 1979. Um, she has a new book of poems coming out, uh, though best known for her many novels, of course, which include Lady Oracle, Alias Grace, The Handmaid's Tale, and The Testaments, of course. Um, Margaret Atwood has also published 19 collections of poetry, uh, beginning with The Circle Game, uh, The Journals of Susanna Moody, uh, Power Politics, You Are Happy, uh, and now, in 2020, uh, today, November 10th, 2020, we have Dearly, uh, her first new volume of poems in uh, 10 years, and it's uh, just out from HarperCollins' Echo. So... We, uh, we, we had a few moments with her. Uh, we have an interview with her today to share. Um, and uh, we will also hear Margaret Atwood read the poem entitled Late Poems, which opens the new book. Late Poems. These are the late poems. Most poems are late, of course. Too late, like a letter sent by a sailor that arrives after he's drowned. Too late to be of help, such letters. And late poems are similar. They arrive as if through water. Whatever it was has happened. The battle, the sunny day, the moonlit slipping into lust, the farewell kiss. The poem washes ashore like flotsam. Or late, as in late for supper, all the words cold or eaten. Scoundrel, plight, and vanquished. Or linger, bide, a while. Forsaken, wept, forlorn. Love and joy, even. Thrice-gnawed songs. 
rusted spells, worn choruses. It's late, it's very late, too late for dancing. Still, sing what you can. Turn up the light, sing on, sing on. Thank you so much for talking with us today. It's an exciting occasion uh, to have a new book of poems from you. Have you been writing poems all along amidst your other work? Or do you find that you're returning to poetry in a certain mindset now? Uh, No, I've been writing them all along. So they go into a drawer. Mm -hmm. And um, then I get them out and um, try to uh, decipher them because I write them in longhand. Mm Mm-hmm. And my writing is, my handwriting is not um, always legible to everyone, (laughs) including sometimes me. And uh, then I type them out and uh, put them in a drawer. Mm -hmm. And then when there's a pile of them, I take them out and um, distribute them on the floor. Mm -hmm. And then we see where we are. Right. Right, Dearly is your first uh, published collection of new poems in, is it 10 years? Approx, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're, I'm so excited to, to have it, to have read it uh, before it uh, comes out in November. And uh, I really, if I, if I may, I mean, I, I'd love to sort of dig into some of the poems. I especially love the poem uh, in the collection called If There Were No Emptiness, um, and its opening line, if there were no emptiness, there would be no life. Uh, could you say... It's, it's true. Yeah, could you say more ask about the any, value of emptiness? Ask, well, um, there have to be spaces between things for, for other for uh, things to move around, do there not? Right. Uh, so that's true of outer space, it's true of us on the planet, and it is certainly true of my study, which I'm trying to clear out right <laughs> now. <laughs> Too many piles of books on the floor. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it's just physically true. So um, any meditator will also tell you uh, that clearing the mind is one of the main objects. Right. I mean, I suppose in this, uh, you know, in our, our plague year, our in our homes, as so many of us are, uh, these past months, I think that it's become even more clear, right, that there's, we're so surrounded by our objects and our thoughts and our, uh, our, our clutter, interior and exterior, right? <laughs> we are, but a lot of people are taking that, that as an opportunity to make more space. Exactly. Both in their, in their time, yeah, in their time, mm-hmm. um, and in their physical space. Right. And in their, it appears, in their gardens. Right. <laughs> because yeah. getting hold of certain gardening supplies has become more difficult. It's so true. Yeah, there's so many, uh, so many things that we take for granted to just go to the store and grab a thing uh, that is uh, now in short supply. Um, I, Speaking of gardens, I was also really taken... Uh, in the book with the the sort of theme of returning to the forest and to nature and to the creatures, uh, so many creatures in the book, cicadas and slugs and wolves. And I was wondering, uh, could you tell us a little bit about, I, I had read somewhere that your father was an entomologist, is that right? Yes. Uh, so that's 
how come I spend a lot of time in the north woods of Canada as a um, a child. Mm-hmm. Do you do you still revisit the the woods? I, much? I still I still spend a lot of time. Um, so uh, I was just out there this summer, mm-hmm. and every summer pretty much. And uh, I also spend a lot of time in a couple of other nature locations. Mm-hmm. Could I also ask? There is uh, the poem called "Walking in the Madman's Wood." Um, yes, which that's, a, that's a real wood. Yeah, uh, it is. There's one really <laughs> called the Madman's Wood. No. Oh. <laughs> um, not by a lot of people, but uh, I've heard it described that way. Mm. Where Where is that? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, okay. Um, no tourists. Oh, certainly no. There's certain uh, value to secrets, of course. Yeah. So in the <laughs> in 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 the um, if you look at Canada, it's very big. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of trees in it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of uh, treed areas. Right. There are many wanders to be had. Many wanders to be had. In fact, the difference between... I, I tell people in England that the difference between Canada and North America is that it's very... I mean, England and North America is that it's actually rather hard to get lost in England. <laughs> you really have to make an effort. You can do it, and people do right. get lost and die of exposure. But usually, when they're they're climbing mm-hmm. in places like Scotland or Wales, I see. Um, but in the in the countryside of England, it's hard to go very far without encountering a human habitation of some kind. Right, a path or Whereas a, in, a fence. Or something. Yeah. Um, or a goat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in North America, it's really easy right. in certain parts of it to get quite thoroughly lost, and people do it every year. Right, the real forest primeval. They, uh, they get lost, they die of exposure, They, um, especially in, in places like the Rockies yeah. or the boreal forest or desert areas. There's mm-hmm. um, some desert areas in, in the States are quite dangerous. Right. The vastness of them, I mean, alone. Well, yeah, and if, if you're there without adequate water, that's sort of the end of you. Right, right. You may as well be on Mars. If you would indulge uh, in prognostication with me for a moment, um, I cannot. <laughs> I, I cannot. That's very resist. dangerous. I know it is. I can't resist the temptation, though, because certainly, as someone who has been called prescient, uh, you know, far and wide, uh, because of the the Handmaid's Tale and and the many know. stories um, that that seem to tell so much truth of the morass we're currently in. What do you? What in your novelist's mind do you think happens next in this American story? What happens if in the American can... story? Mm-hmm. Okay, the American story has always been uh, multiple. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's ever been a time when you could line people up and tell them what to do. Right. So whatever happens, that will remain true. Mm-hmm. Um, someone once said to me, well, you know, in the United States, 
Uh, in fact, an American said, the United States has got so many different opinions, and if you said God was a turtle, you'd have a cult. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't start that one. Right. Um, but somebody might, you know. Right. So, yeah, it's not, although there was a strenuous Nazi movement in, in America in mm. the 30s, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as easy to mine... Americans up and get them to march in lockstep. Right. About anything. Yeah. Um, so that's why in The Handmaid's Tale and the Testaments, I I put a, an ongoing resistance and a, and an ongoing um, civil war. Absolutely. Yeah. So typically, when when um, um, state order breaks down, you get um, you get warlords. Right. Right. Opportunistic bullies. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And um, that has happened before. Mm-hmm. And um, let us hope that it does not happen again. So so let us hope that um, Americans will see the value mm-hmm. of listening to one another and uh, forming um, some sort of mechanism for reconciling their differences mm-hmm. and bringing the country together. Absolutely. And, and learning from our, our neighbors to the North. <laughs> I mean, I think well, that Canada really is the North in this, uh, you know, political it, it is the North. Um, mm-hmm. It has always also been various to mm-hmm. a, a greater extent than the States has because we are a bilingual country exactly, and yes. we ought to be a trilingual country. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a larger percentage of um, First Nations and Inuit than the United States does. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot of um, past sins and errors to um, deal with now. Yes. So we're not, we're not a utopia here either, but we are a different kind of North American country. Indeed, indeed. And not everything we do is a is a righteous model for everybody. Else, oh, oh, certainly saying. not. Uh, I I suppose I suppose in uh, you know these these dark days of the uh, Trump era, I think uh, it just it seems more than ever that we uh, left leaning Americans look to Canada as a as an exemplar. Though certainly yeah, there's a complicated although, history it, there too. Yeah, it, it complicated. Yes, yeah. and what. What group of human beings does not? Indeed. But the, di- the complications <laughs> are different in different places. Right. Thank you okay, so well, much. Okay, well, lovely talking to you. Yes, lovely talking to you, and, too. Uh, I really appreciate I hope things it. Work, I hope things work out. Me, too. Me, too. Yes, I tell my, de- my despairing, hand-wringing American friends, it's not over. It's not over. It's true. (laughs) We have to keep our shoulder to the wheel. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time when we're talking about highlights from the November-December issue. Uh, We have the amazing Otto Otto Limon on the cover of that one, of course. 
Jacob Sayans, Mark Doty, Patrick Phillips, uh, Deshaun Washington. There's just so much in this issue that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, so until next time. Visit the American Poetry Review online at aprweb.org and follow us on Instagram at American underscore poetry underscore review.